Welcome to Writing Black Joy Season 2. I am Sophia Robinson and I'm a writing coach and an editor and a story listener as well as the producer of Writing Black Joy, a virtual space that celebrates, centers and promotes the voices of black writers and storytellers with joyful and uplifting stories. Here, you'll find conversations with some of my favorite Black writers and storytellers, learn more about their projects and the joy they're bringing into the world, hear more about their creative process, and find inspiration for your own creative ventures, as well as tips and strategies for writing poetry, blogs, creative nonfiction, fiction, plays, and so much more from all types of writers, as well as a sneak peek into the writing life. You could even find your next favorite writer, book, poem, play, or blog. And if you are a Black writer who is looking for a coach or an editor to help you bring your joyful story into the world, then click on my website below to find out how to work with me. In the meantime, let's go to today's guest. Today's guest is Cedric Scott, who is the founder and creative behind Ancient Baby Brand. And we're going to talk about that name during the episode. Cedric was and continues to be an educator. And he's also a writer, a poet, a chemist, and an entrepreneur, as well as a husband and a father. His brand is at the corner of wisdom and innovation, focusing on education, self-care, and lifestyle. Cedric and I talk about how he transformed what his students were learning about Black history by creating Melanated Mathematics, which is math content in the context of Black history and culture, his ancient baby brand and how he developed his brand from grooming products to textbooks, the importance of legacy in everything he does, the various collaborations he has had with other Black creatives and business folks throughout his career, his writing and how poetry was the gateway into other forms of writing for him, his creative process, and so much more. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Writing Black Joy. I'm Sophia Robinson. I'm your host. And today I have with me Mr. Cedric Scott. We've had a few rearrangings, but we are finally here to record, and I'm so happy to have him. A bit about Cedric. Uh, Obviously, you can read more about it in the show notes, but Cedric is, first and foremostly, an educator, Uh, He's also a parent, and he has this great brand, which we're going to be talking a little bit about as well. And so you're going to find the links to all of that in the show notes. But he's also a writer, and he writes all sorts of things. I know you write textbooks, you know, realize you write all sorts of nonfiction. Like, it's it's just a whole mix, and I love love that uh, sort of creativity on display. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So normally, I would uh, ask... My guests tell me a bit about their their book or their project, but since you have so many, let's start by talking a little bit about your brand in and of itself. So uh, I want to say that I'm saying it right. It's the Ancient Baby brand. That's correct. Yeah. That's right. I was just yeah. making sure because the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's just so unique. That's so different. I love it. <laughs> tell me where the name came from and tell us a bit about that brand of yours. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Ancient Baby Brand, uh, the idea of it is kind of a play on um, an oxymoron, of course, right? With ancient being very old and then baby being something very new. Um, and it, like, the concept and idea and even like the name of it, of it kind of came um, like right at the beginning of my, my journey as a father. Um, so, of course, I had a baby. 
Uh, but then thinking about the idea of, um, you know, really for education, for anybody who's an educator, they'll, they'll understand this, this kind of phrasing, uh, you know, you don't recreate the wheel. Um, we just make innovations, right, and updates. So the idea of Ancient Baby Brand is essentially taking knowledge and information that already exists, um, but making it better, right, and expounding upon it. So I like to say that, um, you know, the brand is uh, positioned at the, uh, the corner of wisdom and innovation, uh, where, mm. you know, basically taking the same ideals, um, focusing on things such as education, um, self-care, and, and lifestyle, and, and kind of putting our spin on it, for example, um, with, you know, all the content that's created, um, and even just, you know, some of the, the, the kind of the processes and, and the way that I think about it. Um, so that's kind of the ult ultimate kind of overall, um, you know, purpose and kind of idea behind the name is just kind of that play on um, the kind of homage to the old, um, if you will, or, you know, our predecessors, ancestors, but then also thinking about, well, what can we contribute um, to even make that a little bit better while still, you know, maintaining the integrity of that initial knowledge and wisdom that we gained from them. Yeah, I love that. And the thing I like about it, I was oh, I was a nerd, so I loved school, loved my teachers. And it's it's also making it accessible as well, isn't it? Like you're you're kind of making it more innovative and within that you're making it more accessible because I think as as the generations go by, people have different ways of accessing things. And so starting to to bring it into formats that can actually be more easily accessed as well while still maintaining the fact that, as you said, it's ancient wisdom and it may not, what, what's at the heart of it may not have changed, but how we interact with it uh, may definitely be different. When we first we met in, um, on another social media platform, and I remember think, hearing that you had written a textbook, and that was really fascinating to me. I think it was a, a math, I know you're an educator, so <laughs> um, a textbook. Uh, I'm curious, uh, I'd love to know a little bit about that process. My sister is about to embark on a similar project uh, mm -hmm. soon. And so I'd love to know a bit about how did you find the process of writing that textbook? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, what I created initially um, in the education space was, number one, it's based on, again, kind of thinking more so along the lines of, well, how can I be respectful and, and, and have a, you know, a real um, kind of hold on the responsibility that I have, not only as an educator, but as a man, as a black man, um, as a father, um, and kind of all these things woven throughout, right? Um, because in my initial, I guess, journey into education and initial experience was actually teaching uh, third grade mathematics. And mm. I worked my way, you know, kind of through that whole progression um, and ended up being a school administrator, whereas now I actually work full-time remotely um, in education technology really thinking around uh, the positioning and support of a, uh, a learning platform um, uh -huh. for K-12 math instruction, yeah. which always kind of made me think, well, whenever I was teaching and when I was in that space, what was missing, right? What did I always have to create? I always had to create content that for the, you know, for the most part, when I was teaching in my, my initial years, looked like my students, right? Because they look like me, right? And they come from a place that I come from. And you also think about well, what's missing in what they call core curriculum, yeah. right, which is your math, your reading, so on and so forth. And we know that with Black History, of course, you know, it, it being currently January, end of January, going into February, yeah. um, we know that though that's not highlighted enough. Um, and when it is, it's actually very surface level. So I said, well, how do I get this to a point where we go deeper? Um, and the answer for me was 
put it in the core, right? Put it in the things that students are supposed to, you know, quote unquote, have to learn, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that it doesn't feel like an afterthought or something extra or just, you know, an additional activity we only do during February. Um, so I created Melanated Mathematics. Um, Melanated Mathematics is math content in the context of Black history and culture. Um, and it began with me actually just doing instructional videos where I would write a problem with, you know, Black history infused in it uh, and then record the problem, uh, do a video and upload it to YouTube. From that, I said, well, this is not enough and it's not going to be sustainable. Uh, I can't produce this enough um, to a point where I want to make the impact uh, that, I, that I think should be, you know, happening. Uh, so I started creating the math instructional world. Not necessarily instructional, but math workbooks. Um, so currently, there's a workbook series that goes all the way from kindergarten through fifth grade, where mm -hmm. every single task, every single problem, even the representations themselves, are infused and kind of just engulfed in the world of Black history and culture. Um, and the way that I did that was number one by writing the content so that uh, Black historical figures, historical um, time frames events, so on and so forth, are infused directly into the actual content. And then on, on top of that, making sure that the representations reflect, you know, what we want our children to see as well, because yeah. we understand that with anything regarding education, you know, children need mirrors and windows, right? They need to be able to see themselves as well as be able to see out, right? And see the, the greater world. Um, and for a long time, as for us as black people, in particular our youth, they have always seen the outside world. They've yeah. never really seen themselves in the book with them. So why not produce that? Um, and that's what Melanated Mathematics is all about. Um, so along with myself writing the content um, from that perspective historically, and you know, with solid math background, because I have that expertise as well. Of course. Um, yeah. I also commissioned black artists to do all the imagery. So every single image, every single picture, if it wasn't me taking the picture literally somewhere when I was traveling um, and, and looking at you know, say a, an African artifact or something like that. Um, it was an image that was directly created by a black artist for the, the purpose of this particular content and this mm. content. Okay, and I love that so, so much. This is, um, you know, most of the, the watchers, listeners probably know uh, I'm from the Caribbean, I live in the Caribbean. And, you know, my sisters and I talk about this, both of my sisters are in education, one in tertiary, uh, one, started in primary, moved into secondary, got a number of friends who are teachers. And, you know, we have, you have these textbooks, or even now with a lot of the online learning, because we're still, with COVID, we're still mostly online right now. Um, you have these worksheets that people are downloading, right? I, there was a time when I was looking for motivational videos for my sister. She teaches at a, a secondary school, and she was looking for motivational videos for the boys. And I'm just, like, scouring the internet, and I'm just like, we could create these hair like wh why they, they need to be able to see somebody that they can actually identify with mm -hmm. saying these things and not just like some you know person that doesn't look like them doesn't sound like them doesn't come from the same place as them there it's not going to have to me as much of an impact as if they see you know like how, like you know we have local musicians here we have people you know like why 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 can't we create that level of content and i think it's important because as you say, there people aren't, you know, one of the reasons I started this season, this season series as well was for a similar reasons. Like I want to highlight more people who are showcasing 
people that look like them in whatever they're creating, whether it is a textbook, whether it is a novel, whether it is a children's book or a nonfiction or whatever the case may be. So I think that's great. It's great to find a way to put it into that core by putting it into the, the mathematics and the things that they're um, sort of learning. Because then I think it, you're kind of absorbing those concepts as you go along as opposed to feeling like it's this seven o'clock, six period. Now we're going to learn about, you know, Nelson Mandela or whoever, like this, this exactly. special thing that's going to get tossed in in February and then moving speedily along. So I think that's such a great a great idea. And so you've talked a little bit about it, but, you know, I'm going to, we're going to talk a bit more about it. Why, you know, this season, this series is called Writing Black Joy, because for me, it's not just about that representation, but it's really also about the joyful aspect mm -hmm. to it. Why is that important to you? I mean, it's important to me, um, well, first and foremost, me, you know, as a black man, especially in this country, and, you know, I'm in the U.S., mm -hmm. seeing what I've seen, uh, knowing, you know, just all of the issues, right? Every piece of the history, right? Not even just considering, you know, where we are in this current time frame, and you know, sending back to where a lot of the American historical textbooks will begin, but yeah. also having a an actual respect and consideration for the history prior to that. And I think that pulling directly from that is is where I want to be. Um, because there's so many missing pieces. And within that, there's kind of a lost sense of pride that we need to get back to. Um, and ultimately, you know, now being a father, um, yeah. these are things that I, number one, want to in, uh, implement and uh, ensure that my son has. But then I want to also build outside of that and just say, you know, not only did I do this on behalf of my family for my son, um, you know, for my immediate family, but also to be able to, you know, present something to the world because um, what, I, what I recognize and, and, and really feel deeply um, in my core is that, you know, and my sweatshirt kind of lends to it is- uh, Yeah, I love you know, that sweat, Legacy, I love you. it. It's, but, you know, for this, like Legacy is essentially, you know, the remnants and kind of the hieroglyphics, right? That you leave for people to then be able to follow to make their, their situation, their life, um, not necessarily quote unquote easier, but their path to be less rocky than yours, right? Yeah. Um, so if I start, you know, way back here, there's no way that the people that come behind me should be starting at the same place. It doesn't make any sense. No, right? no exactly. Uh, and, and, and in kind of even in, in a greater scheme of things, you can't even see the full sweatshirt. My, the entire sweatshirt actually says legacy is autobiography. And um, mm. this is one of my designs for my brand. And I really believe in, you know, this type of phrasing because we are the ones that create that. Right. Um, yeah. Though I will not see it. I can go, right, and in whatever capacity that I do, knowing that I did not live in vain and I, you know, I left something, right? And, um, yeah. you know, to me, I was in a, a space one time and somebody asked, you know, the group, you know, what's your why? And immediately at first I was like, you know, it's my son, right, my family. Yeah. But then I thought about that and I said, you know what, that's, that's actually a little bit selfish. So to me, my why is essentially uh, the black child who was born on the day that I died what do I do that's going to actually make their life better? Um, and if, if I can do that, right, I, I've, I've reached my goal and I feel comfortable um, in, in that. And, you know, that's essentially what it all means and why I really push to create because, you know, the more that we put out, um, the more that we share of ourselves and give to others, then the better that 
you know, their situations, their lives, um, you know, have the capacity to be. And, yeah. you know, that's really what it boils down to me, uh, which is what are you leaving behind and how is it improving, you know, the lives of those who will come after you? Yeah, that's perfect. I, I really like that. Is there a quote that you like, that you would like to share, whether it's from your own work, whether it's from someone you admire? Uh, I just asked everyone to, to share a quote that's meaningful to them. Yeah, well, I have, to, I have two, if that's mm-hmm, okay. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Uh, the first one is a, a pretty famous one from Frederick Douglass. Um, he said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. I really believe in that. And, you know, a lot of the work that I focus on, even with uh, some of the newer things that have, I've been I've, uh, positioned within the brand, such as, um, you know, the creation of scholarships and things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of em- emphasis on the youth. And I think that that's where we have to really begin because, you know, um, you know, for, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, I kind of preface it to say, and I'm going to take some of my dad's words here. My father once told my grandmother, you can't re-raise me, right? He was like, I'm an adult. Nope. Uh, so <laughs> so you know, true. That's kind of the mind frame we have to have. You know, we, we, we want to give our, you know, our adults, you know, brothers, sisters grace. But at the same time, we have to understand that, you know, it's going to take a lot more. Um, they're not as impressionable, you know, as, as mm-hmm. our, our youth and the children. So what we impart in them early on in life can then manifest and then become what we want our adults who are now walking around to be. Um, so that's number one. Uh, and then the second um, is, uh, and I'll, par- I'll paraphrase it, it comes from Carter G. Woodson, uh, Miseducation of the Negro. And he basically says that real education means to inspire others to live life abundantly. And that's ultimately all I'm really focusing on is um, being able to, you know, again, going back to the legacy thing, being able to just be an example um, and not necessarily, you know, talk about it so much, but just continue to work. And that's what I do is I just put my head down. I keep keep working, mm-hmm. keep, keep creating and can keep putting things out, you know, and essentially, you know, building out this kind of buffet of, uh, of beneficial endeavors, right, to where people can come. And, you know, regardless of what you're hungry for or what your diet is, there's something for you to eat, right, for the, the improvement and the betterment of, you know, not just your life, but anybody who you come into contact with. So I want to create that ripple effect, um, mm-hmm. you know, exponential, you know, if you will. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the overall goal. Um, and even within that, you know, I have on my arm, like one of my tattoos is, you can see it. Um, it's a, I study it chemistry. It's like the periodic table. Listen, I love oh, chemistry. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, you see, I think that's probably why <laughs> when I met you and stuff, it appealed to me because I was, I was a science child. I love science, I love yeah. chemistry, I love math. So yeah, so, yeah. I mean, oh. like this tattoo in particular, um, it's a, a periodic table, but it, it, it actually spells out the word inspire, right? Um, and that, that's what it's all about. Um, I love it. Day, which kind of leads into, you know, my, my belief and my love for that, uh, that Woodson quote, you know, it's really about, you know, go, going beyond yourself um, and, and what are you doing to spark something um, in somebody else rather than just thinking about, well, what can you get from the situation, right? Um, yeah. And, and really, digging into education because a lot of people, they'll kind of classify education simply as school. And I don't believe that they are completely synonymous at all. Um, so no. just keep that in mind because, you know, education is ongoing um, and it goes yeah. on forever. Whether you're at school or not. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, and it goes on even when you leave the classroom in the evening and you go home, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on the weekends and the vacations and stuff like that. Yes. Definitely yeah. agree with that. Um, let's talk a bit about you. I mean, cause you're such a great creative, you create so much, like I said, you, your books, you have your designs you. and then you've created, as you said, scholarships, different, your whole brand. Tell me what you started with. Tell me what, 
what came first <laughs> in this whole ancient baby brand? Tell me what came okay. first. Okay, yeah. Um, so believe it or not, ancient baby brand did not begin as ancient baby brand. It began as ancient baby beard care. And I really? Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I began, you know, because with my chemistry background, I went to, uh, real quick, shout out to the HBCUs. Um, yeah. I went to Virginia State University, got my degree in chemistry, um, you know, and worked in chemical industry before I became uh, an educator. And, you know, with that, I said, you know, I got to a point where, you know, I was growing my beard and um, I would use products. And uh, I was thinking to myself, well, I looked at the ingredients and things like that. And I said, well, maybe I can create my own, right? And you start tinkering a little bit and you make something, you know, a little homemade concoction you start using yourself. And you're like, this is kind of nice. And then you say, hmm. I could probably I could probably sell this to other people and like you know and I can do something with it right um so I always had that, that kind of giving mindset of you know being a support but then even within that um once I created you know those initial products which are actually still available um mm. as well as you know other things I kind of expanded did a couple of things as far as like hair uh, and skincare pieces and things like that but uh, it started to branch out to where I began thinking more so outside of myself rather than saying like oh I'm gonna make money I was thinking, well, how can I create more of a a cycle, right, and a, of support to where I actually started sourcing my ingredients through other Black-owned businesses, right? So, like, mm. uh, shea butter is Black's, you know, Black-owned resource, uh, a lot of my essential oils and things like that. So, um, but that's where it began. Um, and then it just kind of exploded because I was like, I don't want to pigeonhole, pigeonhole myself because I did have all these ideas. Um, and then once I be, began uh, working from home remotely, it was like, you know, they, my ideas were screaming at me, like, let me out. And the rest is kind of history. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I just wanted to let you know how you can support us over here at Writing Black Joy. Firstly, you can join our Patreon community over at patreon.com slash Sophia Robinson. And you'll find the link for that in the show notes. When you sign up over at Patreon to support us, you will get the opportunity to join our monthly group coaching calls and workshops that we'll be holding exclusively for Patreon supporters. So come on over and join the party. It's so much fun over there. Other ways you can support us, hit subscribe here on your podcast or over on the YouTube channel. You can also leave a podcast review, like our YouTube episodes and share us with your friends. You can head over to our website and sign up for our mailing list www.writingblackjoy.com Also, follow Writing Black Joy over on Instagram at Writing Black Joy. All of these will be in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and for supporting our show. I know you, you said uh, what, you know earlier when you talked about Melanie Mathematics, that's something that you did when you were in the classroom or when you sort of like formulated the idea when you were in the classroom. The other book, because you've written quite a few books. I was looking on your website earlier, and I was just like, <laughs> wow, you're just prolific. I absolutely love it. Okay. What, um, what does your creative process look like when you're writing? Uh, is it similar to when you're creating other things, or you're creating your, your, your um, designs or your beard care products or whatever? Like, what's your creative project, uh, process, I'm sorry, like when you're writing? Well, you know, it's... it's it's kind of an interesting thing because uh, I began actually writing poetry. Um, yes. And actually, I, yeah, poetry books available too. Um, yeah, and I saw that. Within that, the first couple of poetry books that I wrote, though they actually kind of ended up 
weaving together to make sense and kind of be chronological, they weren't they weren't written intentionally like that. Um, mm -hmm. They were actually kind of at a point where because I I first um, did my first ebook as as far as poetry goes uh, back in college, which is I don't want to date myself too much, but yeah, you almost know, a, almost a decade ago. But um, you don't need to. I, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. But it was um, what I would do is I would write a lot. I, I used to like to, and I still do. Like I, I still enjoy pen and paper um, very much, rather than the, the digital. I mean, I put notes in my phone and things like that now, so mm -hmm. that's kind of part of the process. But before it was just like all just scribbling on sheets of paper to where I got to a point that I had so many like garbage bags of like loose leaf paper that I started pulling things out. And at one point I actually started throwing the sheets of paper on the floor. And then I began kind of positioning and moving it around. And then it, I realized that it was a story. And I was like, okay, this is really interesting, kind of strange. And something just told me, put it all together. Um, so that's kind of still the process where a lot of things are just really piecewise. Um, I've gotten a little bit more organized these days uh, where I kind of have an idea of where I want to go with something. Um, but still, it'll still be, you know, I'll be driving somewhere and I'll create a voice note um, or I'll be sitting somewhere and I'll take some other notes down. And then at some point, those notes and those pieces will then kind of some strange miraculous way in my brain begin to configure into a complete thing. And then I can put them all together and then kind of just deal with the editing and, you know, the mm. sculpting of it. If you will but it all starts as pretty much like raw clay if you will uh, so yeah that's that's pretty much the <laughs> kind of the process where i start with it and then i'll play around with something and i'll jump to something else and yeah come back to it. Um, and yeah. somehow it just fits together i, I just think that's so yeah. cool i find that happens that happens sometimes especially with poetry because i guess it's there's probably a theme in your mind that you may not even be aware of when you're just pulling pulling yeah. different parts from it when you did the the textbook how did you because it, i know you said i know you have a, a lot of books on your website and you have a lot of ebooks like obviously you've done the poetry different things aren't ebooks the mm -hmm. how did you sort of produce the actual textbook format and and distribute it um just in case anybody else wants to yeah take on so a project like that. well what i did with um with melanated mathematics um i did get a get to a point initially i was doing distribution of a physical product right so creating um, a math workbook that you might see um, in any context, right? Um, paperback mm -hmm. format. And what I did with that was I thought about, well, after I began doing the videos and I said to myself, well, this can be something, you know, more concrete um, where people can get their hands on it. And I began actually, you would, you would think that I started either at the beginning of, you know, that elementary school spectrum, like kindergarten or at the end, fifth grade, I actually started right in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the first one that was launched was the, uh, the and they're, they're written in an overlapping model for differentiation purposes and scaffolding for students, um, but the grades three and four were actually written as the first kind of installment, and I didn't even know what I was doing at the time um, because I just started thinking of like, well, you know, I can produce a bunch of, uh, you know, problems and infuse uh, Black history culture directly into it and then create some type of book. But I, what I found was that I kind of reverted back to my um, my original experience as an educator, which was back in third grade, and I was very comfortable. Right, third grade math was my thing. So I you were, it, yeah. You know, years on end. So I just come, you know, kind of fell into that zone, and 
by the time I looked up, I was like, oh, I've written all these problems. Um, and then, you know, you do the solutions to go along with it, so on and so forth. And I was like, I created this book. Um, and of course, I got it bound. I, I you know, did some self-publish um, kind of efforts on that, turned it into a paperback. And then from there, I got the response, um, you know, from homeschoolers, from, you know, anybody who would, uh, you know, check it out, take a look. And then I said, you know what? I can't just leave this like this, you know, where it's just like only third and, you know, third to fourth grade. That's kind of strange. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, so, sorry to interrupt you, but third and fourth grade, can you just remind us what age that is? Because I have people watching all over the yeah, world. Um, so if you're, if you're talking about like, you know, U.S. public school kind of mm -hmm. standards, we're looking at eight, nine years old. Eight or nine years old. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sorry, you were saying uh, you had self-published it and then you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So self-published it. Um, and then so I had this paperback um, and each one of these um, workbooks, as I call them, is 30 to 35 uh, math tasks and everything is multi-layered and multi-tiered. So within that 30 to 5, 35 tasks, you know, there's always going to be multiple sections, extensions, um, so on and so forth. So it's not just kind of like a straightforward, uh, you know, solve this problem. Um, so when, yeah, once I got to the, pa the paperback and I started distributing that, I went back to the, the drawing board and said, I have to complete this now. I, For the other ages. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so then I went back and I said, okay, well, let me, let me go back to the beginning <laughs> and work my way back up. Um, so then we're all the way back to kindergarten, which is you know, age five, and then just continued that. Um, and all the way up into the, uh, the fourth grade, I produced the paperbacks. And then I got to a point where, you know, with COVID and everything and the distribution, it just, the, the supply chain, it just wasn't, wasn't a good fit. Um, so I made the shift and went completely digital for that. Um, so everything now is PDF on, as far as that side. I do plan ah. to bring back, yeah, I do plan to bring back the paperback at some point. Um, but I just, I just found that it wasn't with shipping delays and issues and it was just a problem. Um, yeah. I was like, I was like, this is more, more trouble than it's worth. I want people to just be able to get the content, um, and be able to, you know, download it and pull it and use it however they need to. Print it if they need to or whatever. Cause I guess there's exactly. still going to be some, like how you as an adult, I guess you still like that pen and paper. They're going to be some, I'm, I'm, I was one of those, yeah. I'm still as an adult. I love a pen and paper. I couldn't. Nothing would stay in my brain if I didn't write it down. So I had right. to had to be writing. And so I guess that's the, the advantage of having the PDF is that you can still print it if you yeah. need that sort yeah. of interaction. Yeah. So it was, it was more of a sustainability move. But I have been getting some more feedback recently, like, hey, physical book. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think we're getting to that point where I can go back. Um, because the fourth and fifth grade math workbook, which I co-authored, I actually um, brought on my, my youngest sister to support in co-authoring that. And she's in her first year teaching actually fifth grade math. Nice. So it was fitting for her to come on and write the fourth and fifth grade book. But within that one, that one is the only, uh, the only version of the math workbook, only level that never went to paperback, right? Never went to physical. Right, science. it was full digital. Mm. Yeah, it was full digital. So, but that was how it kind of panned out. Um, started right in the middle, third, fourth grade, eight or nine years old, and then had to go back because other people were looking at me and saying, well, what do you have for younger kids? And I was yeah. Like, no. And they were like, that doesn't make sense. So, uh, yeah, had to had to adjust and you know be uh, be mindful and supply the need where uh, where it was greatest. So. Yeah, and get the collaboration, like you said, with your sister, who may be more familiar with the different ages, um, uh, mm -hmm. sort of problems that they're trying to solve. Uh, I'd love to know what what was your proudest having this whole brand? Because I like I said, I, I I know you do so many things. I don't want to just narrow it down to the one thing. What's been one of your proudest moments during the the process? Um, I would say that the 
the proudest thing to date has been um, just the launch of the scholarship, the, the first scholarship, um, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, I always knew that, you know, giving back and philanthropy and all these types of things were going to be uh, a proponent of what I do and uh, just a piece of it. Uh, but the nature of the scholarship itself and what it stands for is, is is a lot greater than just even, you know, me giving money. So just for for reference, mm -hmm. the name yeah, of the scholarship, yeah, the, the name of the scholarship is the Julia Elizabeth Legacy Scholarship. And it's actually named for my mother. Um, and you know, I, lost, I actually lost my mother when I was 10 years old um, to breast cancer. She was only 33 at the time. And she was the one who uh, was really deep into education and really believed, you know, in progressing your life, right, and becoming better by becoming educated, right, and then supporting and helping other people. You know, she she always told me that she wanted me to uh, be a chemical engineer. So I always joke and say, well, hopefully me becoming a chemist was, uh, was good enough, you know. Um, but I, then I continued to build that and I said, well, how do I can have that legacy, right, um, continue to go? and continue to thrive and live on, you know, as far as her memory. And I figured what better move than to, you know, memorialize her in a scholarship when she believes so deeply in education. So the scholarship itself um, is a thousand dollar award that uh, will be granted actually this year uh, for the first time to, uh, yeah, to a, a, an African-American uh, high school graduate who will be going into pursuing a uh, STEM degree at a two or four year institution. and. Yeah, it's a simple, you know, simple, a simple essay process, um, but it actually relates a little bit to my own experience. I recall, you know, even with all the money that I received when I, you know, um, was going to college, the one thing that stood out to me was an, I got a thousand dollar award from a church in my hometown, mm. and I wrote, I wrote an essay to get it, um, and I just remember that day, and it was just, it was something different about it, you know, um, and I said, this is the feeling that I want to give off to somebody else and this is where I'm gonna go back to. So I'm kind of mimicking that, but at the same time, uplifting my mom's memory. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's it's gonna be announced on uh, April 8th, which again, everything has meaning. Um, April 8th is uh, a twofold kind of proud day for me outside of the scholarship. It's my mom's birthday, number one. Um, and then number two, it's actually my wedding anniversary. So. Okay, nice. Uh, it's just a way to kind of, you know, turn that around and, and make it into something, you know, um, you know, beautiful. And that's what it's all about. You know, my mom was a beautiful person, so I want to do that yeah. for the world. Oh, that's amazing. And so this, this, this conversation comes out in March. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I want to cut, I'm going to edit this out. So this conversation comes out in March. Um, mm -hmm. What's the application timeline? Uh, deadline is March 7th. Deadline is March the 7th. All right. Okay. So that sounds really good. Um, you said it's going to be announced in April. So yeah, that's a really great, great opportunity for someone. Um, is there a, like a topic for that? I'm just curious. This is not my own curiosity. Is there a topic for the essay? Uh, yes, it's uh, focusing on um, why basically diversity in STEM um, is important, right? So they're basically talking about what they um, see as, you know, their role uh, regarding the importance of representation in the world of STEM um, as it relates to whatever career path that they want to go into. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I absolutely love that topic as well. Um, so is there anything you do differently 
<laughs> you know, if there's anything that you feel like, oh, I wish I had done this differently or, you know, thinking about it going forward, something that you might want to change in terms of your own, uh, the, the content or the things that you're creating through your, uh, through your brand. Um, you know, I think that's a good question. That's a really good question. I just, I, well, I, I think that I would have uh, possibly considered timing a little bit, a little bit better. And what I mean by that is, um, knowing that I intend to create certain things, um, and just kind of considering positioning of it as far as like when I want things to come out, because a lot mm. of things ended up just kind of being, I don't want to say spur of the moment, um, but they were just these ideas that just were just so deeply burning um, that I didn't have a choice but to produce. Yeah. Um, and then I think another thing that I would do too, um, just on the kind of, uh, I think, execution standpoint, one thing that I found for myself is that when I put things out into the atmosphere and I put like my word and you know my name behind it, um, especially in a public forum, I feel... I want to say accountable um, mm -hmm. to make sure that those things come to fruition. So whenever I say something out loud, like when I announced the scholarship thing, I couldn't take it back. And so I, you, you basically put yourself into a situation where you have to execute. And I think I would have done that with certain things more, right? And yeah. More often, um, and, and that would have kind of held me to a, a, a even a higher standard um, mm -hmm. than I could ever have for myself. Because when other people are kind of looking at you, then you kind of say like, well, I don't want to let people down, um, especially if, you know, with kind of the goal and purpose of what my brand stands for, um, that would then, you know, really put a little bit of, you know, I think pos positive or favorable pressure on me. Um, yeah. Come out and that they are solid um, in nature and ultimately what I want them to be kind of earlier rather than having to go back to the drawing board and a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Understood. That, that happens too. What advice might you give a budding creator? And this is someone creating anything because you create so many things. <laughs> Get the feedback from other people. Don't don't take it too too deeply. Don't worry, internalize too much of the feedback because um, at the end of the day, they're not going to understand the vision completely. Um, you know, they can they can see, you know, kind of the picture, but they can't see the vision. If you if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There you go. And then I think. Going beyond that, I would just say, just put it out. Because I think for us, a lot of times, especially creatives, like we get so caught up in, is this the right time? Is Does it look right aesthetically? How are people gonna respond? You really never know, um, you know, and that was the premise for me doing a lot of things and the way that I did it was just like, look, I just have to get this out. Uh, and, you know, the, the response is gonna be a response. In many cases, as long as you don't do some type of really outlandish, um, you know, critically life-changing, uh, life-altering type of mistake with what you're doing, you can always make it better um, and just keep yeah. that in mind. So yeah, just just do it. Like, just, then just do it. Improve you know. it if you need to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. So uh, a little bit about you personally. What do you enjoy sort of like reading or watching or listening to as, you know, as a consumer of <laughs> the creativity. I mean, I, I really enjoy, you know, looking into what other creatives are doing. I'm big into art, um, mm. just different types of art, really. Um, I, I mean, I love music. I don't, I don't perform or, you know, do any music or anything like that, but uh, music has always been kind of a solace for me uh, to where I can just find myself and, you know, 
depending on what I'm listening to, who I'm listening to, uh, it'll it'll kind of evoke certain things. Um, I'm an an avid uh, you know fitness exercise workout junkie type of person. Um, I love going to the gym. It's, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. And uh, yeah, outside of those things, I would say uh, I really try to just continue to learn a lot um, in areas where I have either personally fallen short or where I've thought that um, I could be of benefit for other people. Um, in particular, looking at things like finance. Um, I, I, I do want to give one shout out to people I'm not even connected to, but um, somebody who's been uh, really kind of prevalent in me learning more about the financial side of things. Uh, there's a it was actually a podcast and a whole network um, called Earn Your Leisure through YouTube, um, and they're they're amazing. Um, so I've learned a lot. You know, gotten to the point where even now I've you know gotten enough knowledge and information to be able to not only find ways to invest in the market, stock market, if you will, um, you know, for my son, but also teach people other people how to do it. Which, you know, create and produce a video, right? Which I have in my brain a free video on how to do that for you know for our youth. So. Um, yeah, I'm just all about consuming, you know, valuable information that I can then transfer to other people um, and, and, you know, know that it's going to actually leave, you know, a lasting impact in the market. Mm, okay, that's, that's excellent. Tell us where we can find you. Obviously, you have your, your page. I'm going to drop the link below. Uh, the, everything's on there. So if you go on there, you'll do like I do and you'll get sucked in and you'll get lost in there for a couple of hours because there's all different books and different types of brands and whatever. So tell us where we can find you, whether it's social media, whether it's online. Yeah, uh, so definitely, you know, the website is uh, ancientbabybrand.com. Uh, Instagram, Facebook is at ancientbabybrand. Uh, Twitter is uh, abbrand. Um, okay. Don't do too much on Twitter. <laughs> like, mm, I that's it, okay. I don't use it as much. But definitely, um, I would say uh, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony Brand, um, and you know from there, we branch out, stem out to you know every other platform, Clubhouse, so on, so forth yes. as well, um, with a lot of facets kind of funneling underneath that. But yeah, those are the big ones. Perfect, Cedric. Thank you for joining me. So glad that you were able to connect and make this happen. Um, and I look forward to following you, hearing more about who, who wins that scholarship and sharing your work with the people in my network who will hopefully share it on uh, and you'll, you'll get some more um, people connecting with you through there. So thank you so much. Uh, and everyone, happy reading. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about our guests in the notes below. And don't forget to hit subscribe to subscribe to our channel so that you don't miss new episodes when they drop. And if this has inspired you to get your own writing project into the world, click on my website below and learn how you can work with me as a writing coach or an editor. Until next time, I send you big love from a small island.